All right. Here we are once again. Rogue Table Talks number 93. Here we go. And yes, we are still in the throes of the d- deep, dark winter here. There was a there's a little house in the prairie book that we read to our kids called The Long Winter. I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. read The Little House in the Prairie books. Uh-huh. Um, they were good to read to uh, our children at some point. And there's one, there's one that's called The Long Winter, and it's them trying to survive through this winter when you know just nobody can go anywhere and you know they're trying to keep whatever food they have available you know we're trying to ration it little by little and they eat a tiny little bit and they trying to ration their wood just to make it through the winter so they don't all freeze to death and you know (laughs) we've got it a little better (laughs) we've got got it better better. but it sounds like a pandemic (laughs) yeah yeah right yeah and it, but it was like the reality of life you know uh and you know anyway it's it's not that bad here uh but it's cold and it's snowy um and uh again it's probably not that there right it's not it's rainy but yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so sad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh and uh you know life goes on and um uh, through the through the cold and the snow and the rain. And, uh, you know, we've got an interesting, long sort of passage that we sort of have to cover all of it to get the whole story. Um, And we're going to kind of talk about, you know, we say life goes on, but talk about death, talk about the mystery of death, talk about, you know, why, you know, how do we react to things happening that we don't understand you know, how does God's sovereignty fit into things that we don't understand and why are things allowed and, you know, all of that sort of stuff um, is there. All of those things are addressed in the story. Um, and so we kind of probably need to jump into it without without a lot of further ado. It's the story of, of Lazarus and uh, the death of Lazarus and the resurrection of Lazarus. Not to spoiler spoiler alert. Uh, he's, he's resurrected. <laughs> um, so <laughs> he made let it? me read the first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's dead now. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> he did die again. <laughs> yeah, he did die again. Uh, so uh, it's in John 11. Uh, and it's, again, it's getting towards the end, towards the end of Jesus' ministry. And here's how it goes. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, 
And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Uh, okay, that's just the first part of the story, but obviously a lot's going on. Um, and his friend Lazarus is on his deathbed, and he gets word. And uh, his sisters Mary and Martha you know, want him to come and heal, which he obviously, they believe he can do, and he can do. And he doesn't. Uh, and it's not totally explained why he doesn't, other than he says the sickness will not end in death. It's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And, and then, of course, a few, a few, a couple of days later, in a few verses later, Jesus says, well, Lazarus is dead. Um, and so, I guess let's talk about that. Um, what do we make of what Jesus says in verse 4? The sickness will end in death. Notice for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. What are your thoughts on yeah, that? That's... that's... Um, that's the only real explanation that we get. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's hard for us as meaning makers to read this and not to want to fill in the gaps. I think, you know, if you're over in Europe and you're jumping on a tram before you, the door shuts and you're getting on, it says, mind the gap. You have to step over the gap, watch out for the gap. I think we desperately want to make meaning, and I, this is where I think um, we get into trouble, is we don't know the why, and we want to fill in the blanks. And other than this really broad statement of, this is for God's glory, we're not given any other why. In fact, I recently heard a, this passage referenced to or preached on, and um, the person tried to explain the why, you know. <laughs> It was like, well, because it, Jesus did this because um, if he would have went earlier, it might have been a healing, but it wouldn't have been a resurrection. And, and well, that's true that if he would have went earlier, that might have happened. It could be true, but we, it, the text doesn't say that. So we don't know. We don't know why Jesus stayed. We don't know why he allowed Lazarus to die other than somehow God was going to get glory through this. I, I remember um, a guy in my ministry a long time ago. And he had lost his best friend um, to a car accident. And his best, the death of his best friend was a significant catalyst for him becoming a Christian. And we were in a conversation, and we had a pretty good relationship. I wouldn't just say this to anybody, but he said, you know, if he wouldn't have died, I wouldn't have become a Christian. And I said, I, we, don't, we don't get to interpret it like that. Like, we're trying to say this is the why. And what you're saying essentially is God had to take his life or I wouldn't have become a Christian. And I, I mean, that's just not, it's not fair because we don't know those circumstances, no. right? So we don't get to no. say the why and that's hard for us. So that's a little bit of my thoughts on what's going on there. Yeah, I think that's, in, I mean, I think God had to, I think every sentence that starts with God has had to is probably wrong, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I don't it's think God has to place. do stuff. Yeah, it's a bad starting place, but we just don't know like we want to explain, well, he had to. 
So he's not responsible for that's kind of what's maybe underlying. But here's the thing. Even if he, yeah, he stayed, so it would have been a resurrection and not a healing. But that just glosses over the fact that he let the man die and right. he let his sisters grieve him. Like that happened. Uh, and he did that on purpose. Now, it, it, you know, what's interesting, you know, one of the things he says is theologically true, but also sort of trips us up sometimes is this will not end in death. And then he dies. Uh, and, you know, we say death is not the end. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, death isn't the, I mean, that, that's the part of the larger story that we have to remember, that death is not the end. And in a sense, you know, there's a sense in which Lazarus is not the victim of his own death. Mary and Martha more are. Because he then, you know, he will be with the Lord. As Paul says, it's better by far. We don't exactly know what happens before Christ returns and before the resurrection of all, you know, the restoration of all things. We don't exactly know what happens when people die, but, you know, Paul says it's better. Um, and yet, and so that's the, that happens. Death is not the end. We don't get an explanation for everything. We don't get a... You know, your friend, you know, your, your friend's friend didn't have to die for him to be a Christian. Right. That's what happened, and we don't get an explanation. And that's really hard for us, especially, you know, in our scientific, rationalistic, enlightenment age, we think we need an explanation for everything. Uh, and I believe, tell me what you think of this theory, that it's not that the information is hidden from us, like, like someday we'll know, perhaps. That might be the case, and that's true, that's the case for many things. But it might also be the case that we're finite beings, and the information is just beyond us. It's beyond our understanding, and all we'll ever have to do is trust God for it. Right? I mean, what do yeah, you think I mean, about I that? personally think we're still going to be limited uh, creatures when Jesus returns. Yeah, so that I mean, implies we're, we're not going to... limited to, knowledge. Yeah, we're not going to be omniscient. You know, we're, our right. knowledge will be finite. Everything won't be explained. And if that's the case, we might as well start getting used to the fact that our our course of action is to trust God, that he is good, that, you know, it is for his glory even if we don't see how. But that doesn't agree with all the wonderful popular hymns and songs and and all the wonderful points of preaching that we can say about it'll all be explained in the end and it'll all make sense then and then we'll know. All right. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's probably a sense in which it will make sense that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Like, right? It'll make sense. Well, of course I don't know all of that. You yeah, know. I just don't think that's what the that's typically what you hear. It's typically like right. we'll 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 get it. We'll know all right. the mysteries of the sufferings and right. why these things had to happen. And and I'm with you. I just don't think uh, we've thought through uh, the beginning and the end of the story. We've begun yes. as creatures with limits, and that was not a result of sin. So I don't know why we wouldn't be 
creatures perfectly redeemed, but lim having limitations as well. Yeah, let's well let's continue this conversation, but let's let's read uh, the part where they go there to Bethany and Jesus has this conversation with with uh, Mary and Martha. So they're on their way. They go to Beth Bethany, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. But when the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Okay, so that's where we're, we'll, <laughs> we'll drop it off there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think in the de in the tomb, four days, um, it wasn't, I think, wasn't there some ancient belief that you know, you were like officially dead after three or four days of being dead or something like that. Yeah, some... like the Jews thought the spirit departed on the third day or something like that. Right. Yeah. Reminds me of the Princess Bride. Uh, and the guy is, oh, oh it's so smart. You think he's dead. Maybe he's mostly dead. You know, he's not all the way dead. <laughs> right. You remember that? Is that Billy Crystal? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he crushes. Yeah. The oh, look how smart you are! He's dead again. <laughs> uh, uh, get yeah, out, you witch! So. I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. <laughs> Mostly dead. Yeah, that Mostly was a good one. Dead. Yeah. Um, so he, Lazarus is dead. He's been in the tomb four days, and both of them say, "You know, if you've been here, my brother would not have died." And you know, so that's the, my first question is. Is that true? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Uh, that's not really promised, right? Yeah. I mean, that's makes sense. Uh, but it kind of leaves the mystery and reality of death aside where Jesus is with us and we die. Jesus mm -hmm. is with our loved ones, right? Um, it's not like when someone dies, it's like, oh, Jesus had to quick run to QT to get some Skittles. And, right. you know, that's why. Uh, but it's not like that. Um, it's, right? It's sort of a mystery that we just, we have to sort of deal with, right? 
I mean, emotionally, yeah, well, he, we and have his, to sort of he deal answers, with it. Right. He answers, you know, if you do you believe that, you know, even though you die, you rise, raise again. Um, so, yeah, I think there's the. the I, I don't want to say death reigns, but under the sovereignty of God, death is still active in God's good creation. It's, uh, it, mm-hmm. it was, you know, inserted because of the, the rebellion of Adam and Eve, and uh, there's sin, so there's decay and death. And even though Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death, it's the work, the story's not done yet. The work's not done yet. It's not. Mm. It's not completed yet. So yeah, we still experience death, even though we're in Christ. Yeah, I think there's a theological explanation for that that I think we understand, but I still think it's hard for us to embrace it emotionally. That mm-hmm. you know, in the part of the story we're in, our actions are so meaningful that they have consequences that the sovereign Lord lets happen, right? I mean, mm-hmm. death is a consequence of the fall. God did not prevent it. He knew what would happen, and he let us do it. And that, in a microcosm, is, you know, we are we are um, a little lower than the angels. And when we screw up, it has impact. And that's the reality of the story that we're in is, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Lazarus is a good person. He dies. And we're not told why. There's nothing he did that caused his death. It was in this part of the story, all of our sin makes death a reality. And the only remedy is in Christ. And the resurrection is the remedy. Uh, But we're all going to die short of Christ returning before, you know, being alive when he returns. Um, and that's just like, we all, I mean, I'm saying sort of obvious things, but when somebody you love dies, it, we struggle with that, that resurrection has always been the only true answer. Yet part of us wants people to live forever. Right. Well, we, you know, you have here in the notes, it, it, it's both natural and unnatural it's yeah it's it, we know what to expect like we know everyone dies everything dies we know this happens and yet it's unnatural because when it happens we're still shocked by it we're still scandalized yeah. by it we're still something inside of us says this is the most offensive thing in the in in the state of yeah. life is that right. some point, someone dies and we know that, but we don't. It, we're not confronted with it existentially until until you know someone close to us dies, and then we have mm-hmm. to grapple with that. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's right. It it is natural and unnatural. Like the part of the story that we're in is broken. You know, the part of the story we're in shouldn't be. Because, and it's that way because we've made, you know, the consequences of our actions has brought us to this point. Adam and Eve sinned. We sin. Those sins have consequences, not just like eternal damnation consequences, 
but it has consequences in our story. It changes things. And I don't, again, I don't think we, like, why does it have to be that way? No. We don't know. Like, we just don't know why it has to be that way. Why did God let that happen? Why did God let the serpent in to the Garden of Eden? Why did God let, well, we don't really know why. Yeah. Other than he gives us agency. He gives us choice. We, and now that we're in the fallen part, we're going to make choices that are fallen and those are going to have consequences. And not all of that's totally explained. And so when someone dies, it shouldn't be like that shouldn't happen. And yet it happens to everyone. That's, you know, it's sort of natural and unnatural. Like that's not, that wasn't supposed to be part of the story, but it is part of the story. Uh, and I think, boy, that's just hard to, it's hard to wrap, you know, it's hard to wrap your, your arms around because all you can do is surrender to that. Right. And, and trust and say, I don't exactly know why it's like this. And some level theologically, I can explain it, but at right, some point right. there's a limit to it where I just have to surrender. Well, I think it comes back to our first part of the conversation is we, God usually doesn't give us the why. And when we start with that as the question, it's a normal question that we all ask, like why did God allow this and why did God do this? And, um, but it's also an unhelpful question. There's other questions that may be, to use your Genesis 3, you know, connection. Why did, why did the woman listen to the serpent? Why did the man listen to the woman and the serpent? Why did neither one of them kill the unclean animal mm-hmm. that came into God's presence mm-hmm. in Holy Temple? Like, mm-hmm. why that? Right. So I, th- I think there's just different, a different set of questions that may be that may be even more practically helpful for us. Um, I think I was thinking through this with your, with the, back to this, the story here. Um, there's Mary, Martha, Lazarus is sick and then dies. And then Jesus says, you know, do you believe you see the glory of God? And this will end for the glory of God. And um, I think there's a process and a pattern that, because of sin and because of entropy in our own growth, God usually does in our lives or invites us to, and it's the process of order, disorder, and reorder. I was reading this article the other day, and I, I found it really helpful. It was in the context of the pandemic, but uh, and it wasn't about causality of the pandemic, but it was simply we like order, and that's not always a bad thing, but it often gets us uh, into too comfortable places. And then God brings disorder or there's disorder in our lives. And then there's a reordering or a new order. And it almost seems like there's something like that here where Martha, uh, or was it, was it Mary? If you'd been here, you know, we could have maintained order. You could have maintained order. But now there's disorder. And we don't know, we don't have a category for for death. We don't really, we kind of have a category for resurrection. But it's almost as if Jesus is giving kind of shattering their categories or messing with them and trying to invite them to larger newer bigger categories of a new normal um Mm -hmm. i i just i think whether god causes it or not we need those healthy disruptions we need those healthy disorders we don't like them they don't feel Mm -hmm. good we think to ourselves if you would have only been here Mm -hmm. but and even coming out of the pandemic, I think we will probably be invited to embrace a new 
normal, mm-hmm. a new reorder and trust, receive and trust it. Yeah. No, I like that. I do think we like order. We like the order. Even if we would complain about it, we basically want this order. And in the bigger story, the maintenance of this order will keep us from all of the promises becoming true. At some point, there has to be a breaking of this order because this order has fallen. This order has pain and sorrow. This order has sickness and death. And at some point, we have to get out of this order and um you know that's the reality and you know most of the ways out involve some sort of pain uh uh but the the end is not that you know the end is not the disorder of death there's 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 the bigger part of the story lies beyond that but that doesn't that's an easy thing to say and at the same time jesus weeps Mm. that's that's the you know Mm. One of the most arresting things of the story for me is like Jesus is not trying to give a theology. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Lazarus is fine. It's all fine. You know, Lazarus is, you know, in he doesn't say any of those things. You know, you'll he doesn't say all of those things would be might be true. Like, you know, Lazarus is in heaven. You'll see him. All those things that we might want to say to comfort. He doesn't say any of those things. Hmm. He weeps. He doesn't say, he doesn't counter there. Well, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. He doesn't say, well, it doesn't work that way. He doesn't explain himself at all. He weeps. And that's part of the, there's, it doesn't, that there's an explanation doesn't mean God weeps. And and there's an explanation doesn't mean we get the explanation. And sometimes, you know, what we need to do is just mourn with God, let him mourn with us because that's yeah. what fits the story. That's really good. I'm uh, preparing a sermon for this coming weekend and um, talking about how the church, you know, needs to get out to be out of the box. We need to be out of the box. We're all in the box type thing and acts Luke, Jesus and the Holy spirit. And they're shaking things up. So to speak, the mission is the, the early church had to get out of the box. So, but one of my thoughts is centering around what you're just talking about. When I think the way that we used to answer people, the culture around us was a matter of evidence because they, they were looking for evidence. Um, mm-hmm. You know, prove to me Jesus rose from the dead. Prove to me the Bible's true. And I think there's been a shift. It's not that, that maybe they're not still asking that question. I think it's moved to the back burner. I think the more central question they're asking is around their existential questions from evidence to existential questions and it's what do you do with the angst I feel what do you do with Mm -hmm. the despair is there a larger cohesive narrative like give me purpose and meaning what what do you do with that and so I think here it's a really great illustration of uh, he doesn't give them an answer but he does give them incarnation Mm -hmm. I think that's what people are looking for like Mm -hmm. Can you embody a transformed life? Can you embody the story? What does it mean that God is with us? What does it mean that Christ weeps with us? And do we weep uh, with those around us and rejoice with those around us? Are we, because I think today with such cynicism and skepticism, people, you know, don't give two cuss words about your answer unless you can have some form of incarnation presence with them. Right. Yeah. 
I think our answer often is a reflection of our own anxiety because we have the same questions and we want to explain it away to ourselves. Yeah. We're not really comforting the person, we're comforting ourselves. That's good. Right? Yeah. Um, and Jesus, you know, Jesus doesn't, he weeps. And, uh, you, you know, see how, see how he loved him. And then some of us like, well, you know, this is the question. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Like, we don't get it. If he loved Lazarus, why did he let him die? And that's, an, you know, he obviously he loves people who die now. It's just a question we don't fully get an answer for. That it will end in God's glory is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that doesn't always satisfy us obviously um and so then he raises lazarus from the dead starting in verse 38 jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance take away the stone he said but lord said martha the sister of the dead man by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there four days then jesus said did i not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of god so they took away the stone Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Um, And so then here's, you know, the end of this part of the story uh, you know, the, the rest of the story is people saw that, like, man, we got to kill this guy. Um, you know, um, but again, there's this sense of he's, it's like, it's, he's been dead four days. It's too late. I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, they didn't have a category for, you know, resurrection. Um, and he said, I, and I told you, you're going to see the glory of God. And I, I just don't know. Like, I do think we will see the glory of God someday. Mm-hmm. And it might be decades, you know, it might be after our death and, you know, it likely will be uh, in the sense that I think he means it here. Um, but that's sometimes the only, you know, this is a picture of something that happens once to show us, I think, a part of a bigger truth, a part of the bigger story that, yeah, he's dead, but you're going to see the glory of God. Uh, and it's not a, it's not a promise that it's a promise that we're going to see God's glory. It's not a promise that nobody's going to die or that, you know, God will fix everything. I mean, eventually he'll fix everything, (laughs) but we're going to have a lot of pain between now and then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think there's the t- a time and place. There's the tension here where the glory breaks in, um, where we're surprised by joy, to quote Lewis, and where just for a moment maybe the sun breaks through the clouds. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. We feel as it if shows you it's there. It doesn't yeah. mean you're in a land of the sun forever. But I honestly feel like. I don't know this to be true for sure. Do you remember if we learned this in Tolkien? Um, it seems like Tolkien's portrayal of Sam and Frodo carrying the ring to Mordor 
is what life is more like for us. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's it's mostly uphill, challenging, dangers, betrayals, struggles. That's you know the sun sometimes breaks through on them, but um, most often it's covered by clouds. Yeah. Yeah, and certainly that's true compared with what will come later. And I think the, our problem is when we try to live in the land of the sun now and convince ourselves that's what God owes us or that's the way it should be. And there's a sense in which, yeah, that is the way it should be. But in this part of the story, things aren't the way they should be. That's, the, that's our dilemma. That, yeah, people shouldn't die. Yeah, I shouldn't be betrayed. All of those things shouldn't happen, but that's the part of the story we're in. And you know what? I'm a betrayer as well. Uh, you know, I'm someone who betrays. I'm someone who also, you know, it's not like I'm not just totally an innocent victim here. I'm not innocent at all. I'm a victim, but I'm not innocent. And that's hard to wrap. You know, this is a good person. They didn't deserve to die. Well, I mean... In a sense, that's there's a sense in which, yeah, worse people continue to live, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just we're in the part of the story where we don't, we don't, we shouldn't expect be expecting those things. But this is an interruption in the large, grander, eternal story, and order will be restored, you know, restored, you know, order, disorder, uh, and then the restoration of things um, is a new order is coming, and you know that. It's, I don't know, it can sound trite, but it's the only thing that's really true, right? All of that is true all together at the same time, yeah? That, yeah, it, it's trudging through Mordor is not good, it's not fun. Uh, but what's ahead is makes the journey worth it, you know? Uh, because... It, you know, Lazarus obviously dies again. Um, he's not, correct. you know, he's not living still. Um, and so this is not a, you know, death has been defeated, but not maybe in the way we would always hope. Uh, and I just think that's difficult for us. You know, I think what I would say is, um, maybe to wrap it, to put a bow on it is, you know, all of these promises about experiencing God's glory, experiencing Him, uh, experiencing comfort and joy and hope are fulfilled now only in part and only in glimpses, as we've said, but they're all ultimately fulfilled in Christ eventually. And we sort of just have to trust Him uh, in the meantime and not demand an explanation for things an explanation we may not ever get uh, but God is good and uh, we can trust him and he will restore all things and that is you know the hope of the resurrection that's that we experience so um, let's end it there you know that's that is our hope that uh, this disorder will be restored that we will see God's glory that uh, the part of the story we're in now involves a lot of darkness and glimpses of light but the light is fully coming and uh, let's continue to march forward uh, let's do that with hope grace and peace everyone
Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.